0: This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from season three, episode 50. Our discussion with representatives of the patient and patient advocacy communities, plus from The Vault, my interview earlier in the year with biohacker par excellence and bestselling author, Dr. Marcus Rani. Toward the end of the previous conversation, I asked for awareness about digital therapeutics. This conversation starts with Robert Mitchell Thane choosing instead to discuss a comprehensive patient support tool that the PBC Foundation has built for its patients. This tool has sections on disease information, self-care, and ways the foundation can improve service to the patient, and it's been fairly widely adopted within this ultra-orphan disease community. Robert describes each of the three elements in slightly greater detail. Wayne Eskridge raises a series of practical questions about digital therapeutics, focusing on how they'll be approved, prescribed, and paid for. And then Robert returns to discuss the PPC Foundation tool again, noting that it's free and that it has the ability to generate patient-centric data for presentations to medical societies and whoever else can utilize it to improve patient self-care and experience. He also notes that apps and other support tools are pivotal in what he terms a psychological warfare against major food manufacturers who offer treatment-defeating choices to patients all day, every day. From there, I asked the group to describe their greatest successes in the past year. As this conversation ends, Wayne is discussing the Wellness League project and development to provide local groups with tools they can tailor to their service populations and teach them about NAFLD and NASH. And Mike Patel discusses having the Fatty Liver Alliance recognized as a charity by the Canadian tax authorities and what that means for its credibility inside Canada. Patient advocates are, by their nature, your disruptors and change agents. So it's not surprising that this conversation moves so fast and includes so many bold statements and shifts in direction. Listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group.
1: Robert Mitchell Thane. Coming from the PVC Foundation, which is an entirely different condition mm-hmm. that sits in a completely different paradigm and a completely different group of people. That said, there is enormous overlap between those that have PVC and those that have fatty liver syndrome. But we designed an app which has six and a half thousand downloads in, I think, twenty-odd countries around the world now, which for a rare condition shows that the demand is there. And the app itself has a number of parts. One is disease specific information so you can go in and go into subsections and subsections of subsections and find that specific piece of information that you require it also has things like lay versions of guidelines so it has information that supports and empowers the patient then it has a section that's all about self-care so it has trackers it has mood trackers symptom trackers test trackers and not just your pvc related tests but it has things like your diabetes markers and any cancer markers it has your kidney tests all of those kind of things as well and then the third part of the app has been surveys and you know my strapline is using the patient experience to improve the patient experience and what we've been able to do is is survey the, the patient population but the the way the app works We can cross-reference survey one question seven with survey seven question one. So you don't have one set of, say, you know, for example, a tool like SurveyMonkey, where you have one standalone survey. You're able to look longitudinally at the patient's journey. There are definitely aspects of that where the patients have felt more empowered, more informed and better able to take control of their condition. Combine that with the fact that in the last, say, five years, the place of the patient advocacy cohort within the entire medical field has been greatly enhanced. And this is down to people like Michael and Wayne and Donna and people like that who have been disruptors, who have come in, some more politely than others, and made sure that the patient advocate was at the table. And that's been enormously important and that's brought these kind of tools to the fore and has brought the importance, of the patient experience, the patient knowledge, and the expertise of living
2: with a condition
1: into these types of conversations.
2: Wayne Eskridge. I don't think I quite understood your question, Roger, and that's a great discussion by Robert. Those kind of tools, the ones that can be actually billed for, paid for, are, I think, an absolute certainty to come And be important parts of the uh, regimen. The questions will be, what do you have to go through for a patient to be able to use them? Do you have the gatekeepers? Where is the gatekeeper? Does the patient have the right themselves to order this and get it paid for? Does it have to be as a result of a doctor visit or is it part of a Medicare Advantage plan? There are some really interesting tools that you've alluded to. I think there's going to be a flood of them once they start to be approved and paid for. So the questions I have around those is really not if they work, I'm sure they do, but what's the gatekeeping system and how does the payer community respond and how do we actually get them to people that will use them? That's a series of great questions. I don't know if we've
1: missed an opportunity or created an opportunity, but our app is available for free for anyone who requires it very simply. The key here is the patient population. This app was with patients, by patients, for patients. And the patient organisation is the gatekeeper. So we have a responsibility to treat the data that comes with absolute respect and to deal with that the right way. And the number of abstracts that we've produced that have created oral presentations. So just last month we had an oral presentation at the British Association for Study of Liver event. And so for for patient organisations to be invited to these kind of places to speak, again, is brand new territory. What's creating that is the fact that it is with patients by patients, for patients. And I think that would be the key. We know that our clinicians that are recommending the, the Foundation app to BBC patients. So we've got clinician buy. it. There have been policy changes made where hepatologists are citing the work that's coming from this app. And so again, it's patients driving forward the agenda. Um, now, one of the things I always talk about when you talk about individual patients who are experiencing, you know, some form of the, the fatty liver spectrum is that each and every single one of us is engaged in psychological warfare, when you look at the big companies that are producing their processed foods and their sugar drinks and all of these kind of things that we have to overcome when we have to stand in a petrol station a gas station sorry, we're in the queue and we're faced with a barrage of chocolate and so it's more than just industry that have the answers, we as a patient population need to support the patient population in that journey and I think apps like this and, and that kind of empowerment from what I've seen and from what the experience has been for us is enormously powerful in changing. That
0: I'm going to use that question to jump into a slightly different direction that actually is in the outline. There's actually a great old story about Kaufman and Hart, who wrote most of the Marx Brothers plays, being backstage at one of them and Kaufman being in a side conversation with someone turning around and saying, wait a second, I think I just heard one of my lines because they were so well known to ad lib. So I'm going to use that as my jumping off point to actually go back to at least one question in the agenda. And Robert, you may have kind of answered this already. So I'm going to look to Michael and to Wayne first and Louise to actually jump in uh, with some questions and response. Something that you've accomplished in the last year, consistent with the charter of your organization that you consider its most compelling success?
2: We did a soft launch on a project we call the Wellness League a few months ago. We're still in very early stages with this, but it's designed as an ecosystem for the nonprofit community. And we were looking at the challenge of how do you take information out into the community and affect the lives of people on the ground. We're very, much on the ground oriented, down where the mud and the blood is. We don't really do much in the way of policy. But how do you do that? And one of the resources that's out there are the thousands of small nonprofits that have real community bases and real community experience, but they don't have the ability to have sophisticated tool sets and the kind of support that you would have as a larger service organization. So we've structured the Wellness League to provide to the local community groups a rich tool set that is locally based that gives them the ability to connect their patients, their community to local services easily and yet become part of the larger national population. Our goal is to help mobilize the local resources in ways that they become a bigger force nationally because they can communicate from a common platform. And so the Wellness League is an offer to them to collaborate with us. Our goal would be to hook up 10,000 local health-related nonprofits to the Wellness League as a community-based function. Okay,
0: Mike. Mike Bottel. We began, I mentioned earlier, the fatty liver Lines just in June, 2021. So one of the goals that we wanted to accomplish which is different from what Wayne was talking about because we're a step behind, was to actually get the charity status. In Canada, becoming a registered charity is a big deal. The Canada Revenue Agency it takes it very seriously because you can give out tax receipts. So they need a lot of information and a lot of history. So I'm personally very proud that we had an entire year. We did over fifty you know, of these fireside chats, and as what you know you guys all know, but I think some of that and the information that we've been sharing with key opinion leaders has made a difference. And so all of that was part of the review process to see who 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 you are so i'm really happy that we're at that stage now and we can actually start to which is working already to bring in donations so that we can do some of the other things that we want to do on our list
2: and now back to roger
0: we hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with our first look at next month's The Meeting, the annual AASLD conference. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we look forward to seeing you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.